0: Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu.
1: What's happening, everybody? Welcome. It is the Friday edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. My guest co-host for the day, uh, he is of Spectrum News fame. Uh, You can read all of his exploits and all of his sports coverage uh, there, either on the app or online. Brian McInnis,
2: BMAC, is in the house. What's up, BMAC? Uh, Dude, I'm gobsmacked because when I walked in the room into the studio today, (laughs) what waited me but some Kahala merch. Oh, you know that. And it is, if anyone has been listening to the show, they know it is what I've been pining for on these Kahala Fridays. That's right. And, and you have come through. Sir. No, and so. and, uh, and good on you. You are a good company man because yes, that is the perfect segue
1: to once again uh, give an aloha welcome to everybody uh, because around here it's uh, not only Aloha Friday, it's also Kahala Friday uh, and Kahala who makes uh, obviously incredible Aloha shirts but also these performance polos that we all love. Uh, if you play golf, you're going to love them. If you just want to look stylish but kind of cash around town, you can check them out. Uh, but their array of Aloha shirts and their selection continues to Uh, build and grow. You can pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores or at kahala.com. All right, BMAC, uh, it was a double victory for University of Hawaii basketball yesterday. And we're going to get into uh, a little bit of UH chatter and even into some football discussion uh, with uh, one of the newer additions to the UH football coaching staff that's going to be in segment number two. Jeff Reinbold, who is coaching the D tackles, uh, making a return uh, to Hawaii, the sun god, as many have referred to to him uh, and a guy who sort of uh, wears the islands and island culture and island pride quite literally uh, on his permanently inked and tattooed skin. Uh, We are excited to uh, have him back uh, here in Manoa and we'll be talking with him in segment number two. He can also uh, give us a little bit of his coverage and opinions on the Super Bowl matchup uh, because that's kind of something uh, that he has done uh, for several years as well for Sky Sports. Anyway, we wanted to talk some UH hoops here off the top, however. Uh, 808-296-1420 the number to call. You can text in at that number via the Zephyr insurance text line you had uh, both the men and the women uh, pulling off victories respectively against Cal State Fullerton Rainbow Warriors on the road and they were able to avenge a home loss against a then shorthanded Fullerton squad Mm -hmm. Uh, but Fullerton had all of their weapons in that game last night uh, Hawaii was able to play some pretty stellar defense for the most part shot well from the free throw line and uh, held some of the top scores for Fullerton more or less in check. You got another strong ball game from Noel Coleman too who went for 21. Uh, The Rainbow Wahine, meanwhile, they pulled off a shorthanded victory on their side. No Imani Perez, uh, who was not with the team because of a death in her family. Her grandfather had passed away. She had posted about it on social media, and so obviously our our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers and our aloha uh, going out to Imani and her fam, but uh, from a basketball standpoint, uh, that just further shrunk the front court depth of this Rainbow Wahine squad already dealing with the foot injury to Brooklyn Ruers, which has kept her out now for a handful of games uh, you have Jackie David who is still very much on a minutes limitation you could tell she started last night but still only played about 7 minutes uh, in that game yeah. uh, and Viv Barrett the uh, freshman actually able to step up and I think give them some some quality time and just ability to kind of box out and, and provide a little bit of position defense against Ashley Lewis who uh, still went for a season high last night 23 points in a double double performance but which one do you want to start with let's start with with the Rainbow Warriors because there were a team perhaps uh reeling a little bit more uh had some naysayers who have been you know criticizing the way they've been playing uh, obviously not living up to preseason expectations uh, I think we were all in agreement this is a team that is more talented from a personnel standpoint than what their record shows they get their fourth win in Big West conference play that sort of puts them in that cluster that includes Fullerton uh where they're in a tie for sixth place trying to make it into that top eight to qualify for the big West conference tournament. Uh, there is the caveat that UC San Diego, who is, you know, they're contending at the top of the standings. Uh, they're not still eligible for the postseason tournament. And so that takes one of those spots kind of out of the way, so to speak. Uh, but Hawaii is still flirting with what would be a disastrous scenario if they somehow do not qualify for the big West conference tournament, but that win last night, you were able to catch some of it. I watched most of it as well, uh, on online, but, uh, what did you make of that how important was that you think for this hawaii team and have you seen anything that would lead you to believe that they are starting to patch up some of the things that uh, have um, been requiring uh, address here uh, as of late
2: yeah man uh, essential really an essential win for the rainbow warriors um when you looked at the four games going into uh, that fullerton game the four games that were in front of them starting with fullerton they they move on to UC Irvine, who's the co-leader with aforementioned UC San Diego right now for the regular season title. Uh, And then uh, next week, you know, it's, it's no break at all because you got UC, UC San Diego coming in. Uh, They already beat Hawaii uh, at the lion, uh, lion tree arena uh, over there in La Jolla. And then uh, UC Davis, whom the rainbow warriors have not seen this year. And they are very much in contention for, uh, you know, a, a top one, top, top two, uh, positioning going into the tournament. So uh, it was it had all the makings of a potentially knockout situation and still could be, you know, if the Rainbow Warriors don't continue to show the improvement they have over the last two games uh, because they are, as you mentioned, Kanoa very much on the fringes uh, right now tied a three or four way tie at four and six in the conference standings at the moment. Um so you know there there's a lot of uh, movement that could happen up or down in in these coming games and um, I'm not going to say their issues are, are solved necessarily. They're still very much uh, limited in the front court with Morsek, uh, you know, their top big man reserve, done for the year. Uh, Bernardo da Silva had fouled out in that That's game. Right. Yeah. Against Fulgen, he he's, has a seeming knack for for fouling out against the Titans, um, you know, who are not the biggest front court uh, team, but pose some problems for you matchup wise. Uh, hey, the Bows got off to a 20 point first half lead, 31 to 11. They played about as well as I think uh, maybe that their best sustained stretch in Big West play this year in that first half, withstood an 11-0 run going into the halftime and then, uh, you know, did enough to hold on down the stretch. There was a key sequence that you and I yeah. were ruminating about with, you know, a kind of questionable foul call on I don't know which Fullerton player it was. Maybe you can tell me if you saw it yourself. But uh, they, they reacted, you know, Unfavorably yeah, to the call. I, I don't slightly. know if the foul
1: was on Tory San Antonio, but I believe the technical foul that you're going to get to uh, mm-hmm. because the foul, at least in real time, that you know, it was a, a live stream in essence, ESPN Plus. So uh, sometimes some of those replays aren't necessarily right. made available. So didn't really get a better view of it. Didn't look like it was much of a foul, uh, but the reaction by Tory San Antonio, he kind of jumped in the air and sort of stomped his feet uh, on the court. We have seen much more egregious reactions uh, to calls over the course of time, but but uh, he did get pegged with the technical foul, uh, and that was kind of at a crucial moment, right? They had gotten it down to seven. Uh, If if there was no foul called, it would have been a Fullerton steal in transition, and uh, who knows uh, what's happening there. Uh, You mentioned Bernardo De Silva Silva had fouled out. Uh, Juan Munoz was in and out of Mm -hmm. action in that second half. It looks like he may have tweaked something, and Iran Ganat being somewhat quiet about the severity of it, but something that they obviously had to navigate around uh, in that second half because he played limited minutes uh, in that second half. Uh, And so, you know, down the stretch, things get a little tight. Uh, This team this year has been kind of infamous for a lack of execution in high leverage situations. And so that sequence, like you said, uh, we talked about it. That was
2: pretty crucial. And uh, obviously, I went a long way to help seal the deal for Hawaii. Yep. Um, Seven point lead became 11 just, you know, with that 301 left on the clock. Four straight free throws by uh, two by Noel Coleman, two by Tom Beatty. Uh, that was huge. So, um, you know, they go on to win essentially by 10 points. Uh, final margin ended up being eight. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can't underscore how much they needed that when you consider realistically if you want to vie for that automatic berth to the NCAA tournament, in my mind, you got to be in the top four going into the Big West tournament because if you're in that five through eight You got to win four times in four days against better rested competition. It's To me, it's a non starter. You've got to be in that top four. Yeah, it's
1: kind of crazy the setup. So, uh, for the first time, this year's men's tournament format is now the same as the women's Big West tournament format, where the women basically had uh, a double buy, in mm-hmm. essence, for the top two seeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's pretty bananas uh, when you think about it, because you go from if you're in the top two playing two days in order to win a tournament championship and an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament to if you are one of those teams in the five to eight slot. Um, First off, you got to qualify. Secondly, if you don't, uh, you're playing what would have to be, as you said, four straight days of basketball. That is a lot to ask, and you're right. like You're going up against the top teams, and they're going to be f- much more fresh-legged and rested uh, going into those games. So, yeah, that that was a big win for Hawaii last night, and I think there were some encouraging signs. Uh, I think the free-throw line was a little bit better, right? And obviously, Bernardo Da Silva still has some of his own uh, free-throw struggles that he's had to work through this season. Uh, We saw in the last game of the uh, resorting to the Hacker Bernardo uh, tactic that was uh, taken by Cal Poly. Uh, but Bernardo was 3-4 from the free throw line in that game, wasn't forced to have to go to the line late in the game uh, because he had fouled out. And so um, that may have changed a little bit of the potential math there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Hawaii defended well. They held Max Jones, who was Fullerton's top scorer going into that game, uh, to five points. And, again, this was a uh, Fullerton team that was fully loaded. They didn't have all of their pieces. Uh, in that first meeting. And so, yeah, I, I think I think to win at Fullerton, always a tough place to play. Fullerton had kind of had Hawaii's number yes, despite much. these very close games uh, over the last couple of seasons. And so, yeah, I think that goes a long way just to instill a, a little jolt of confidence. Uh, but, oh, boy, now they're up against UC Irvine, and they look unreal, and that's going to be on Irvine's home floor. Uh, this is going to be a monumental challenge for Hawaii to see if they can take some of that momentum and make it pay off in Irvine.
2: Yeah, you know, we saw Irvine come into the Town Sheriff center and win by 10 already this year in a, in a you know, a typical kind of low scoring 60 to 50 kind of game. Uh, Hawaii only cracked 50 at the buzzer on a pretty, you know, meaningless Tom Beattie uh, point back or a put back, I think, to just to get to 50. So Irvine's defense is, you know, as billed as it has been under Russell Turner and, um, uh, yeah, if they found a way to, to compete and, and get this one, or at least you know put themselves in position in the last few minutes to score an upset, because I do think it would be a pretty considerable upset, uh, that, would, that would be so so immense for those guys. Uh, I would add one thing, too, Kano, on the top four thing we were talking about. Unlike the, the women's tournament in the past, where it was that double-by format. The way it's constructed now, I mean, there's no gaps, no gap days. At least the women had that's right a gap day that's after right. her, like the second round. So you know those teams, and then CSUN pulled it off like a handful of years that's back right. yes. from from that first day going all the way through, which was amazing. Uh, just with no gap, no, you know, rest day in between. I just don't know how anybody does it. Yeah, that's going to be an awful lot to ask
1: uh, for the teams that finish in that bottom half of that top eight uh, going into the Big West Conference tournament. Let's switch it over to the Rainbow Wahine uh, here uh, for a little bit. We're going to take a break uh, shortly and then uh, talk with uh, Jeff Reinbold uh, on the other side. But uh, let's talk about the Rainbow Wahine because they were shorthanded. We mentioned Noamani Perez already shorthanded in the front court. Uh, and the, the thing that has been interesting about this team, and Lori Santi and I were talking about it on the broadcast broadcast. broadcast a little bit, uh, is the sort of um, ability to morph and adapt based on the situation, based in many ways on the opponent and the matchups. And so we saw this team, out of desperation and out of necessity, have to play much more small ball. Uh, And you had some of the key players and pieces that needed to step up that did so. Deja Phillips goes for a season-high performance. Uh, She was just exceptional at both ends of the floor. Lili Wahine Kapu had a stretch in the second half where she just basically took over in that third quarter. Uh, And so to get that win for Hawaii up against it, their coach not feeling, good. She's masked up because she's been under the weather here during the week uh, in what is a game that now sets up a battle for sole possession of first place tomorrow against UC Irvine uh, on the Simplify Arena at Stan Center floor. How uh, impressed were you by that performance?
2: No, they are a true chameleon uh, this year. I mean, they have, you know, especially when they're healthy and they haven't been fully healthy for, you know, going back all the way to last year's Big West season. That's a, that's a roster that can, you know, really affords Coach Beeman some, some kind of cool options. And this one was out of necessity last night, right, with Amani Perez out. Uh, Brooklyn Ruiz has, has been out the last several with uh, that, that foot injury. So um, it was kind of cool to see because Deja Phillips got slotted at the four. You know, uh, she was given isolation situations at the top of the key. Uh, against some of the Fullerton posts, like Ashley Lewis, who, as you mentioned, went for like a, at least offensively, like a career game twenty five and thirteen. I think it was a season high. I want to say season her career high. was twenty nine, but yeah, it was by far a season high. Uh, and ten for twelve shooting, so she was, uh, you know, offensively pretty unstoppable. But Coach uh, Jeff Arata, you know, um, our uh, our local guy, who's still been searching for that. First win, An elusive, elusive win, yeah. win at the Stan Sheriff Center. He even brought his team here in non-conference play to play in Wahine, one of the Rainbow Weekend tournaments. They didn't play each other, but they were in the same tournament just so that they could get that sensation of winning a game on the Stan Sheriff Center floor, and they got one. Yeah, but it did not translate last night. In the end, it was a tight game. They had a lead, uh, couldn't sustain it. UH found a way to to really kind of victimize players like Ashley Lewis on the defensive end because Deja was just doing her ISO game at the top of the key, you know, herky jerky, some fake action. Man, it was it was fun to watch. Yeah, twenty two points for her, a few points off her career high. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm I'm been trying to I think
1: along with everybody sort of uh, display uh, that yeah, even though that game had a little bit of a roller coaster vibe to it, certainly from an offensive standpoint. Um, there wasn't a lot of discernible rhythm, particularly in the first half. It got going in the second half, and it was awfully entertaining. It was a very competitive game, and I think uh, that's why I continue to implore people, to like, get on down, support this team. I think they deserve a, a level of support based on what they've accomplished here in the previous two seasons and what they are building towards here this season uh, when it comes to potential uh, achievements as well. So, uh, But they got lucky. Uh, to a certain degree, Gabby Vidmar, um, one of the best three point shooters in the conference, had a wide open three to tie it on the wing. Wasn't able to hit it. Airball, right? Uh, uh, yeah, it was a pretty bad miss. And um, I think that uh, you know, it, it requires a little bit of good fortune anytime you're going to win a ball game, especially if you're shorthanded. Uh, and so you know, the Rainbow Warriors got uh, a little bit of a benefit from the technical foul call on the road. Hawaii got a benefit from a. Uh, unlikely miss, a rare miss from one of the best shooters uh, in the league who is wide open, uh, but that's what you need sometimes, and two really quality victories, I think, for both the Rainbow Warriors and the Rainbow Wahine. All right, it is our Kahala Friday. BMAC of Spectrum News is in the house. When we come back, we'll talk with the tackle coach for the University of Hawaii football staff, Jeff Reinbold. He's going to join us on Let's Talk Sports. It's fitting that we have some uh, island music playing us back uh, into this segment of the show, Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. I got Brian McInnes, BMAC of Spectrum News as my guest co-host for the day, but uh, it's fitting that we have the island music playing us back because uh, this guy embodies the island culture as much as anybody, and he is back once again, another go-around as a staff member of the University of Hawaii football program. Uh, A man of uh, many titles. You can talk about his uh, you know, veteranship uh, and, and involvement with professional football over like three decades, uh, Sky Sports NFL analyst. He hosts his own show. Uh, he's also a waterman of significance, uh, but he is right now his main title as it pertains to Rainbow Warrior football. The D-line coach over at UH. We welcome the sun god himself. Jeff Reinbold is back in the house and he joins us via the phone line. What's up, Jeff? How's it going?
0: Yeah, hey, welcome, nice to talk to you, man.
1: Yeah, always a pleasure. We appreciate you uh, making some time here. Uh, one week essentially in the books here for the spring practice session for UH football. How has it felt for you to uh, kind of be back in the mix, and and how has it been here? A very early spring session for this program uh, to see these guys getting to work.
0: Well, the kids have you know done a great job. Cody Cook, our strength coach, really three weeks for three weeks as as soon as they came back off of break. I mean, you talk about high level of work and a lot of volume and a lot of intensity. And he did a great job of, you know, getting our kids ready for spring ball. Now we've got 15 days, four of them just finished. Um, You know, we got, so again, that leaves us with 11 more to finish it up. We've come a long way. We have a long way yet to go, but I really have been pleased with the fact that
1: our effort and, sides of the ball has been outstanding Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, your return here and and how it came about and um, you know just this this opportunity to um, once again be a part of this program in a place that uh, means so much to you
0: well it's you know, every time I've I've gone away, I've always wanted to come back. And I've made sure that through my agent, uh, Paul Sheehy, from ProStar Sports in Denver, that in every professional football contract I signed, I always had an out clause that if the University of Hawaii gave me an opportunity to come home, I was going to always do that. And so, um, you know, Timmy reached out to me and, and uh, asked me if I'd be interested in, you know, Coming back, and I said, obviously, there's no, there's no other place I want to coach than here. And it's the only, this is the only college job I would have left pro football for. And um, you know, then it it happened to work out, and I was over in England doing my broadcasting thing. And and Timmy said, "Can you get here January 7th?" And I hmm. said, "I'll be here." So, <laughs> so I hopped on a plane, and and uh, you know, after the Christmas games, and and uh, got over here, and. It's been tremendous to be back because you know there's something special about this place, but there's even more specialness in the kids that play here, the, the players that play here and um, you know they're, it's they're unique kids and they they're so much fun to coach and be around that every day is really a blessing.
2: Hey Coach Ryan Bold, it's uh, Brian McInnes. Um, you know it's been cool to see you back out there again this uh, spring ball. And, uh, you know, it doesn't feel like to me, at least that long ago that we saw you for that 2022 season, you were there as the director of player development Mm -hmm. on on Timmy's uh, first year, first season. And I remember being out there at Cook Field when you kind of had your, uh, you know, introductory or reintroductory scrum presser with uh, some of us media folks and and how emotional you were about being back. Uh, I was just wondering if it did, you know, it's only been a couple of years, but did you have any of that same feeling and also... What's kind of been the difference now? You know, you're a D-tackle coach, um, if you want to call that a full assistant coach or whatever, versus being a director of player development, how maybe you would contrast those two things.
0: Well, you know, as I've always said, that I would do anything that I was asked to do. And, uh, you know, in 22, that was what Timmy wanted me to come in and do. And I did it. Um, Now, obviously, it was difficult. That, That was difficult from one hand in that I'm a football coach I'm not an administrator and mm-hmm. um, you know so it was tough to to not have an opportunity to you know work with the kids every day to get involved in you know help helping grow them as players we tried uh, you know and I think did a good job and Timmy's done a phenomenal job and I'm not I'm going to say a phenomenal job not a good job of you know growing these kids in so many ways not just as football players but as men and people and brothers and husbands and all the things that go into it um now we got to get the football part fixed and straightened out and um it's been fun to be back obviously emotional yes because this place has been so special to me and to go out on that field even though you know things are different than it used it was when i was here and oh five, oh six and oh seven, it's still the same field that, you know, all those great players hmm. that we had sweat you know, they sweated on that field, they bled on that field, they worked on that field, and these guys are having an opportunity to do that. And it's it's been phenomenal thinking about, you know, this is the place that, you know, the Nonga brothers, you know, and, and Maatanavasa and Junior Tongawai and, you know, Jose Omalu and All of those guys, all the way through today's players, you know, that's where they work. That's the weight room that they worked out in. That's the, you know, practice field that they, you know, sweated together and formed bonds that will last for a lifetime together. And these kids really, I think, are starting to get just how special that is. You know, Jelani Tavai talked to the team yesterday and did a great job. And you can sense through every one of those guys I mentioned and even more that how incredible it is to wear that top of H on your chest. And, you know, it's it's a different place. It's it's a special place.
2: Yeah, you know, this time uh, you come in along with Dennis Thurman, the new defensive coordinator. I was wondering if you guys uh, went back at all, crossed paths in the football ranks at any point, and what's it been like working with him just this first week here in Spring Bowl?
0: You know, Dennis and I, I think, are, are, have developed a real friendship. You know, since we've been here, I've met him before because when he was working at the Jets with, with Rex Ryan, I'm I'm very close with the Ryan brothers and and a buddy and well, I'm, I consider myself a branch on that tree. Um, Dennis was with uh, Rex in Baltimore, in New York, and then with the Jets, and then also in Buffalo. So our paths have crossed throughout that time. And when I found out he was coming back at the same time, you know, I, it's been phenomenal. And, you know, I think the fans are going to see this, this defense is going to be fun to watch.
1: We're talking with Jeff Reinbold, uh, one of the newest additions to this University of Hawaii football program coaching staff, uh, coaching the D-tackles. Can you talk a little bit about the group uh, that you are working with, Sauce Williams, Kualpe Hopa, and just what you and company, of course, uh, just kind of what you have seen here so far uh, in these uh, first four practices in the spring session?
0: Well, I think the thing that, again, these guys are learning is that what the standard is, right? And I tell them all the time that the standard is the standard, and it's not going to change. It's the same standard that David Vicuni upheld. It's the same standard that Kaikolama Francis Francis, Mike LaFaele, Mel Purcell, Reynolds, Froel, and all those guys, Rocky Simonia, all those guys who you know worked at an unbelievable level of intensity, and they're starting to figure that out now. have got to get, we've got to get better. But I like the fact that we've got some depth. Ezra, you know, you talked about Kyle Kow, you know, Kual, you know Dan, Daniel, uh, Dion Washington, who we brought mm-hmm. in at uh, in the semester, a tr- transfer from the University of Nevada has, you know, played some quality snaps for us. Dean Briske, who's a young kid that's still developing, but I think has a f- nice future. Um, Anthony Sagapultatelli has really flashed the last couple of days. And then, you know, we've got some younger kids that, um, that I think, walk-on guys that are you know making themselves known. I mean, everybody's getting opportunity. That's one of the great things about spring ball. Plenty of practice reps. We had probably sixty team reps today, and so everybody's. And there's not anybody that's going to be able to that will walk away from spring ball and say, "Well, I never got a chance," because hmm. you know, we're rolling them through it. And you know the, again, it's the competition level has been extremely high. Uh, you know, the offense and the defense. But yet when it's done, when the team period's done, these kids put their arms around each other and love each other. And and again, that's a credit to Timmy and the culture he's built here.
2: Jeff, how would you describe kind of the vibe just amongst the entire coaching staff? You know, because when two years ago when you came in, I think it was a very young coaching staff, a lot of guys in roles, you know, that were maybe new to them, uh, both of the coordinator positions and obviously Coach Chang at that time. And now you got you know yourself, Dennis Thurman, who's 67. Dan Morrison, he's he's been there and done that. 74. So, yeah, just just what's kind of the vibe uh, overall on the staff now? Well, I think, you
0: know, again, we all take a nap in the afternoon, and um, <laughs> no, it's not that it's not like that. But I mean, I, yeah, we've got some guys that got some gray in there. but I think that's really good because you know you experience is invaluable in this business and you know what we have now i think is a real nice mix of young guys and some veterans so you know those young guys as they grow they can lean on some of us older guys who've seen a lot i mean in 32 years of professional football and a professional season is about twice as long as a college season because you play 18 regular season games, and then you get into the playoffs and all the preseason games. Well, that's a lot of football. I mean, and so it gives you a unique perspective on things. And um, then the young guys bring energy and they bring passion. And this is a this is a good staff. I think it's a really good staff. Jared Ursu, our our wide receiver coach, is outstanding. Um, Roman Cipolo. I don't care where you go, you're going to have a hard time finding a better offensive line coach than him, and he's a young guy. Uh, Pu'u Robinson, who played at Hawaii and is now coaching the defensive ends, is doing a great job. Uh, you know. So again, as you go through our coaching staff, I really, really like these guys. They're good guys. I think they're passionate about the university and about representing Hawaii. And you know, uh, the relationship that they forge with the players inside, they, inside these walls is... Thing that will be the difference maker for us, I think, going forward because we're not going to be the biggest, we're not going to be the most talented, you know. But I think we can be a factor in the Mountain West Conference. I really do believe that. You look at the season that they had last year. Hmm. Hey, they beat Colorado State, who was planned to go to a bowl game. They beat an Arizona I'm sure, an Air Force team that had been ranked in the top twenty. Right? They beat a New Mexico State team that went to a bowl game. So there's evidence there. You know, there's starting to be, you know, some some DNA that you can look at and say, that that I think we're gonna be I think we're faster than we were, you know, two years ago when I was here. And Cody Cook and his staff in the strength and conditioning room have done a phenomenal job of helping these kids grow. Not only grow from uh you know physical standpoint but grow from the maturity standpoint, the competitiveness standpoint—you know, all of all, everything that t- it takes to win football games.
1: Uh, We are talking with UH UH defensive tackle coach Jeff Reinbold. Uh, The cell uh, reception was a little bit iffy in a small stretch of of your answer there, but uh, I do want to try to see if we can sneak one more uh, thing in from you before we cut you loose, coach, and and that is uh, to put on one of your other hats that you've been wearing uh, for many years now, and that is uh, that of an NFL analyst for Sky Sports. Uh, We have the Super Bowl matchup. The Niners and the Chiefs are running it back uh, from a matchup of uh, four years ago and just kind of wanted to to uh, see if you had any analysis you would share with us as to who you see having an advantage potentially uh, in this showdown in Vegas.
0: Well, I think it's really an interesting game because we're watching a Kansas City team, Kanoa, that's not winning games in the Kansas City Chief fashion or the fashion that we've expected them to. They're winning football games now because of the play of their defense. And Steve Spagnuolo, if you pick a most valuable player for the Kansas City Chiefs in the postseason – I wouldn't say it's Pat Mahomes. I'd say it's the guy wearing a headset, not sure. a helmet, and that's Steve Spagnuolo, their defensive coordinator. You know, that defense is is better than, you know, the the sum is better than the pieces. Yes, they have Chris Jones, and yes, they have, you know, LeJarrius Sneed in the secondary, who probably is the best corner in the NFL right now. But the rest of those guys are just guys that all play extremely well together. They play hard. They're very sound. That's where I think, uh, you know, Kansas City will probably have to keep San Francisco. If Kansas City is going to win, they're going to have to keep San Francisco to under 24 points because I think, you know, San Francisco is a very, very good football team. How many other teams can say they have the best left tackle in football in Trent Williams? You have the best fullback in Kyle Juszczyk. You have the best tight end. And if you don't believe me, right, that George Kittle is the best tight end in, in the NFL – Go ask Aiden Hutchinson after last week <laughs> when he, he got planted on his back a couple times. You got Debo Samuel. You got Brandon Ayuk. You got Jennings. You got the best running back in football in, in McCaffrey. McCaffrey, and you got a quarterback who, in spite of the fact that he seems to be a lightning rod for criticism, look at his numbers compared to other quarterbacks' numbers this year. San Francisco, in my opinion has not played a good first half in the playoffs. Now, they have rallied up in the second half and played outstanding second half. But in order to beat Pat Mahomes, you're going to have to play four quarters, not two quarters. So I think it's going to come down to how fast San Francisco starts. And if they start well, I think they'll win the game. If they struggle again in the first half like they did the last two weeks, I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes.
1: Good stuff. hey uh, Coach, we really appreciate it. That's why you uh, do what you do, because you're good at all of that stuff, and we appreciate you breaking it down uh, from the first week of spring practice, uh, wearing your UH UH coach's hat, and then also uh, giving us a little bit of knowledge uh, on the Super Bowl matchup as well. It's great having you home, uh, and uh, we'll be looking forward to talking to you again soon.
0: All right, uh, Kunoa, I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me on.
1: All right, take care. Thanks, Jeff Seth. Reinbold, defensive tackle coach for University of Hawaii football. Try Domino's Mix and Match special. Download the Domino's app. Get a, any combo of items for just $8.99 each. You can choose from pizzas, pastas, boneless chicken bites, and more. Find the Mix and Match deals under the coupon section on the app. Domino's Hawaii, uh, they deliver aloha. All right, uh, B Mac is in the house. We'll uh, dip into the bucket o' questions when we come back. All right, welcome back. Let's Talk Sports. Uh, Big mahalo once again to Jeff Reinbold. Always a pleasure talking with him. And uh, we kept him on a little bit longer than uh, what is the standard because we wanted to get his analysis on the Super Bowl in. And uh, it was pretty good analysis. He thinks uh, if the 49ers start well, uh, that they'll have a chance to win. If they don't, then uh, it's going to be a close game down the stretch. He's picking Patrick Mahomes, which I think uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, All right, uh, we have a bucket next to me. Uh, It is full of questions, the bucket O questions. Uh, And so I'm going to reach in here. Uh, I got BMAC, Brian McKinnis of Spectrum News in the house with me. We're coming to you from the PAXA studios in Honolulu, 808-296-1420, the number. You can text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. And we're actually going to go to a... Texter's question first. Yeah, superseding the bucket. Uh, This texter, uh, it's less of a question and more of a statement, but wanted to see uh, your response to it. This texter says, there is too much attention paid to runs in a high-scoring sport like basketball. In hockey, they never refer to a two- or three-goal streak as a run. Uh, What is your response to that? Do we make too big a, a deal out of scoring droughts and runs, BMAC?
2: Well, I will say that when UC Santa Barbara rattled off 26 in a row against the Rainbow Warriors (laughs) uh, last week, that kind of – put the game out of reach, uh, made the rest of it anticlimactic, so that was kind of a big deal in yeah. that instance.
1: Yeah, I would say. I mean, that's what the, the game is predicated on, is, is runs, right? The more runs you can put together, the longer runs you can put together. Uh, of course, the old uh, adage about the NBA is everybody makes a run, you know one is coming, and uh, I would say over the course of a lengthy ball game like an NBA game, sometimes, yeah, you can be like, alright, well, they're going to run, they're going to run, you know, right. maybe you don't have to uh, blow it up so much, but that's kind of what the whole score and the whole game is kind of built on, so uh, I would have to say that that uh, runs are part of it. And, um, you know, if they don't refer to it as a run in hockey, if they score three goals unanswered, they will say those are three goals unanswered. They'll still sort of uh, at least implicate uh, the the presence of a run. So, all right, uh, let's move on to the next question. I'm reaching into the bucket. Here we go. Oh, BMAC, what did you think about Kendrick Perkins on ESPN uh, when he was picking <laughs> his own version of the uh, All-Star Game Reserves, did not pick Steph
2: Curry, as one of his Western Conference reserves. That looks especially egregious after Steph went for, like, 46 <laughs> and hit, like, a deep three in double overtime against the Like, a awesome, one of the best games of the regular season so far. Game against the Lakers um, a few days ago. But, oh, my goodness. Come on, Perk. Uh, like, I know I'm not blocked by him like Billy Hull is, but uh, that, that just seems like... I was was he just trolling? Was he, like, trying to get attention from that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean,
1: because it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And I think he's defending, or at least on the show, I think it was a part of uh, their NBA program. And I think he was trying to suggest that it was because of the lack of success by the team. But, um, but it's Steph Curry. And the lack of success by the team is certainly not... Because or in any way attributed to Steph Curry, uh, it is despite the un- the unbelievable, overwhelmingly incredible and eye-popping performance night in and night out of Steph Curry. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think that that was absolutely uh, an egregious mistake on the part of Kendrick Perkins to suggest uh, that Steph Curry should not be a reserve for the NBA All-Star Game. I think the only debate there is to whether or not he should have been in the starting lineup, but of course that yeah. one is based on the fans' vote. Uh, but, yeah, Steph Curry's got to be an all-star. You crazy, Perk? Come now, on, man.
2: Did he put, like, LeBron and AD in his? Because they're, like, right around 500. That's and true. That's a tough argument to make yeah. on, on his own. And I believe he did have both uh, LeBron and AD. LeBron is a starter and AD uh,
1: among the uh, Western Conference Reserves. Yeah, don't tell me to carry the hell on. You carry the hell on with how put in Steph Curry there. All right, next question I'm reaching in. Ooh, uh, BMAC, what do you think about the Pro Bowl games, <laughs> the skill? <laughs> (laughs) event challenges uh, that has replaced basically uh, the Pro Bowl. Started yesterday, you had uh, such uh, exciting events as the Quarterback Skills Challenge, you had the Long Snapper uh, Challenge, you had uh, this thing called High Stakes where they just had a mix of different players from a variety of positions having to hold. It starts off with them holding two footballs uh, and then out of a jugs machine they send a um, high trajectory punt basically, what is similar to a punt and they have to catch as many balls without dropping any as possible. Uh, So that was one of the games yesterday. Are you into that stuff?
2: Well, I didn't see any of it, or I haven't at this point in my life yet, but uh, it sounds patently ridiculous, but (laughs) if they come at it from a standpoint of like treating it like tongue-in-cheek, like ESPN The Ocho, which, as you said, they had Dodgeball, which is... They did have Dodgeball yesterday. The whole ESPN The Ocho thing was born out of Dodgeball the movie. uh, True underdog story. So if they fully embrace that... I'd actually be kind of for it, and I would maybe actually think about tuning in.
1: Bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see if it pays off. Yeah. Um, I was watching yesterday, and I know it's like multiple days. It's going to culminate, I believe, with the flag football game on Sunday. Uh, But let me just say, uh, while I was watching it, it made me miss the Pro Bowl like the wow. actual Pro Bowl game and that's saying something man Come on man No I'm serious man I'm serious No I mean you know there's a certain novelty to it it was cool to see Tua out there in the quarterback skills competition uh Baker Mayfield ended up winning but he was kind of playing it safe and just going at the number one point target and I don't know man it just it, it, it wasn't really uh as uh, exciting as as perhaps uh, the NFL was was hoping it would be but it was only day 1 we'll see if it gets better All right next question uh do you think that Texas basketball, and Texas in general, talking about the University of Texas, is just making way too big of a deal out of the horns down symbol and phrasing right you've had the texas men's basketball coach who has been very outspoken uh, mm-hmm. even when it came to post-game handshake lines uh, mm-hmm. with opposing teams that have given the horns down symbol i think at byu was it they had um a uh, area in the uh, section um the student section where they were wearing shirts that said horns down and uh, those students got removed <laughs> wow. uh, yeah texas is making a big deal out of this stuff do you think they're going too far
2: I think they're being a little sensitive on their impending move to the SEC. I, I don't know. I, I feel like everyone in the SEC should just instantly welcome that. Welcome them every game with with the horns down if they're going to be that sensitive about
1: it. I mean, it's not anything that is graphic. It is not anything that is uh, you know overly uh, you know expletive ridden. Um, you know, it's it's not as though they're, like, burning Texas jerseys or something like that. Like, it's just, hey, you like to say horns up, so we're going to say horns down. And the more sensitive you are to it, the more you show that vulnerability, You're the more people it. are going to yeah. be inclined to do it. And uh, I don't know why it's a big deal. When did that become uh, such a, a slur? I just don't really uh, understand <laughs> that. Uh, all right, I think that just about does it for our uh, our bucket old questions. We're up against a commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into our best and our worst, but uh, I wanted to remind everybody that you can watch the NFL's big game with all of your buddies at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar, home of the big video wall, the new menu that features all kinds of stuff from chili and bacon-wrapped hot dog, crispy lechon on pork, uh, pizza made to order, really, really good stuff, 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey, uh, Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl in the Pearl City Shopping Center. Check it out. Perfect for the big game coming up two Sundays from now. All right, B-Max in the house, our best and worst and we come back. <music> What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Brian McInnes of Spectrum News is my guest co-host for the day. 808-296-1420, the number to call. Text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, It is time, though, as this is our final segment of the show, final segment of the week for our best and our worst. So, BMAC, I'll give you a little dealer's choice here.
2: Do you want to start with your best or your worst? I'll get my worst out of the way. Okay. Uh, that would be the SEC and the Big Ten uh, forming a advisory group to address issues in uh, college athletics and how to improve the student-athlete experience. Uh, just strikes me as a little bit, uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> hypocritical to say the least after they've basically raided the hen house for the rest of the college athletics landscape. It's like that Seinfeld episode When uh, the guy stole Jerry's car and then started calling Jerry up to complain (laughs) about things that were wrong with the car. Oh, I love it. Yeah. No, that's right. I mean, like, they have contributed
1: more to the uh, disjointedness of college sports uh, than anybody. And yet here they are like, oh, now we really care about the college experience. Like... It seems a little disingenuous. I'm in agreement with that. Uh, All right. My worst is, I think we can all mourn here today, uh, as it was reported that Carl Weathers, uh, who was a former uh, football player turned actor, who uh, has been in such iconic roles uh, as Apollo Creed, primarily in the Rocky movies. Um, He has passed away at the age of 76, uh, was also most recently, at least for uh, a program that we're very much into, The Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. uh, played a key role in in that show. Uh, Of course, his role... uh, in Happy Gilmore is another Chubbs, one Chubbs, iconic. Chubbs, uh, live on forever. So uh, Carl Weathers, man, uh, he was great. We I mean, can go all the way back to the Predator too, and uh, perhaps the most iconic um, flexing handshake <laughs> in the history of Hollywood. That meme. He that and see, Arnold, yeah. where they're just like full on flexed, and they're just like clutching each other's hands, and they hold it for what seems like five minutes mm-hmm. uh, on camera, uh, and it just was. Who knows what kind of chemicals were uh, soaring <laughs> through their veins at that time? But uh, man, Carl Weathers was. Uh, one of the all timers man so this is a this is
2: a sad day that's my worst yeah i was super bummed out when i saw that man r.i.p to carl Weathers. i mean he in my mind he he carried that rocky franchise for those first four movies you know as just that counterpart to the main guy and his foil but then later his friend yeah, and the uh,
1: the passing the death of Apollo Creed in Rocky Four uh, was when I was younger one of the saddest things uh, I had ever seen in movies. And what's interesting is that uh, character that role uh, was so iconic that they've actually built out the extended mm-hmm. sequels based on his character. And obviously, the next generation they're actually called Creed now, uh, which is which is wild. So uh, Carl Weathers, uh, that would be the number one role you would say is Apollo Creed. What For would be sure. the order sure. maybe if you were to just from our vantage point yeah I mean, I mean I he was
2: in a lot of movies that's not get, he was no mistake he was uh, Apollo Creed Chubbs <laughs> uh, Mandalorian uh, somewhere maybe in the top five okay but but and then the predator I think yeah. that's one of his early earlier iconic roles so. all right well uh, yeah RIP uh, certainly to uh, Carl Weathers all right let's uh, go back to the good stuff what's your best uh, my best is the Chaminade baseball team bringing back the program from the early 1980s playing their first game Right now, they are down 6-1 to one to Cal State East Bay over there at Central Wahoo Regional Park. Uh, they were supposed to debut yesterday. Game got rained out. They are playing again at 6 p.m. tonight if anybody wanted to check them out.
1: Yeah, it was supposed to be the big day yesterday. As you mentioned, the weather got in the way. But, uh, yeah, I think that's just a, a really awesome uh, accomplishment to bring back a program that was basically in hiatus for like 40 years uh, and once again on the field. Uh, and, yeah, on the losing end at the moment. But uh, the fact that Shamanad is out there playing baseball, uh, I think that's a really, really cool thing. Uh, this is also really cool. My best, the uh, Lahaina Luna High School football team going to get some recognition at the Super Bowl. This is a According to a uh, column written by uh, Honolulu Star Advertiser writer Dave Reardon, Uh, team captains Bula Montgomery, Kaulana Tejada, Teva Loft, and Kuola Watson, along with football coaches Dean Ricard, Bobby Watson, and Garrett Tejada, have been invited by the NFL to Allegiant Stadium for uh, the Super Bowl February 11th. Uh, Obviously, the Chiefs and the Niners will be uh, facing off there. Uh, But the word is, again, according to uh, this piece by Dave Reardon, uh, that they are going to be part of the coin toss, that they will wow. be present around midfield uh, when they uh, toss the coin there prior to the Super Bowl. It's a big moment, and obviously the NFL has uh, done a lot to uh, further recognize and call attention to uh, Lahaina Luna sports and Lahaina Luna football, that documentary that aired on uh, the uh, NFL Network um, and was uh, produced by NFL Films. Um, that was uh, another thing that I think called a lot of attention to it. So the support has been there,
2: and I think symbolically uh, a, a wonderful Uh, gesture on the part of the NFL man that's I I can only imagine you know as we're all kind of gathered for our viewing parties and seeing that if they show those guys on TV for that coin flip chicken skin man
1: yeah man I hope that actually works out I mean usually the coin toss is uh, it's blown up right on the broadcast so uh, I would expect that uh, we would have an opportunity hopefully to see them but kudos to the NFL for uh, doing something pretty cool on that front all right big thanks to Jeff Reinbold big thanks to Brian McInnes thanks Liz Stacey Uh, have a good weekend everybody